Everybody and welcome to episode 23 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my co-host, Peter Barracchini. And Peter, hockey is back. Hockey is back. It feels really good to say that. I'm not joking, man. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a long time coming. Obviously, a different offseason for everybody. Uh, you know, us on the outside looking in, um, you know, trying to find a lot to cover. Uh, we've had signings, trades, all that kind of talk. Now we get to talk about the actual games themselves. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, how are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Um, I'm getting back into the swing of playing video games right now. As you know, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned I got a Nintendo Switch, so I've been playing the Mario and all that. But I managed to finally get Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and man... Am I excited for this game? I really am. I mean, I've seen playthroughs, I've seen the graphics, but I'm just really excited for that. You, you always, whenever you play video games, you come across the ones that are like at your absolute favorite. This is now at the top of my list, and I've only just played like the first part. So I'm really excited to see where that game goes right now. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and uh, you and I have... Uh... I mean, you started a fantasy uh, hockey league. Uh, speaking of games, we're kind of getting back into the swing of fantasy hockey. Um, yes. Um, you know, I've got uh, – I had my keeper draft last week. Uh, a lot of big names flying around there. Uh, I started the season off well in, in my uh, my keeper league. Um, you know, picked up guys like Byfield, Perfetti, uh, Drysdale. Have mm-hmm. them all sitting there on my minors. But, um, yeah, I mean – it's uh we're back into the swing of things and with that comes you know a lot of games a lot of news um you know obviously we'll get to the Leafs in a little bit that said let's start this off with Keith Yandel's consecutive game streak um comes Mm -hmm. to an end uh you know and it, it kind of in a weird way where Florida just they're looking to part ways with the with the uh veteran defenseman um Mm -hmm. He was kind of let let uh, or he was kind of told that uh, he wasn't going to be a part of the the uh, opening night roster. Um, and I mean, it, it's kind of a blow to him uh, having played in so many consecutive games. And we kind of saw this with uh, um, Cogliano a few seasons back where he yeah. was suspended for for a game that ended his Ironman streak. So what are your thoughts on this on this situation and, and what the, how the team went about it? Yeah, it's it's a really questionable move, I would say. I mean, it's like it's actually looking like a really good chance that he's going to be that healthy scratch when they start the games up. Uh, I believe it's going to be on Sunday against the Chicago Blackhawks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just kind of seems like a really. A really slight on him because. I don't know how he's fallen out of favor with uh, uh, Quenville right now because he's still a legitimate top four defenseman. I mean, he has 34, he's 34, two years left with a cap hit of 6.35 million. And he's always good for at least 40, 45 points. I mean, we saw that last year. He could play big minutes on the power play. Um, 
I'm 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 still scratching my head because even though that they brought in Radko Gudis and Marcus Nunivar in the off season, I still would have thought that you would have had Yandel in your top four because you have Uyghur and Ekblad as your top pairing. That's a given. If you had Yandel and Strawman as your second pairing and then Gudis and Nudivara, that's a good depth right there. So I I'm curious to see like it it just seems like you know he's fallen out of favor with him, but I want to know if there's something more to it right now. And it's, it's not a matter of production. I think it's just a matter of the direction they want to go and they just don't see him as a fit. And they think maybe Mackenzie Weger can be that Keith Yano kind of replacement. You know, they're kind of high on him, which is why he resigned there. But I'm, 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 I don't know about this. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think, it more will obviously come out as as this story kind of unfolds, but um, you know you mentioned it, Uyghur and Ekblad as the top pairing, but right now Daily Faceoff has Riley Stillman on the second pairing with Anton Strollman and yeah. Gustav Forsling on the on the third pairing with Radko Gudis. So mm-hmm. Nudivara is not even you know in the mix as of as yeah. of right now according to Daily Faceoff. Um, but I, I I I'm kind of in the same boat as you. There's no there's no reason to think that. Keith Yandel wouldn't or shouldn't be above a guy like Riley Stillman or a guy like Gustav Forsling. I mean, the fact that this this guy who's been in the league for for as long as he has, who's had the success that he's had, um, for him not to get a, get a spot on the opening right roster, just I mean, it really it really makes you wonder what's going on behind the scenes because I it in other I mean it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense yeah. to have a guy like that out of your lineup. And like you mentioned, he's done everything that he can do in his career to to I mean be the the type of defenseman that you would want in your top four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, only thirty four years old, has a lot of hockey ahead of him. This is a guy who's played nine hundred and seventy six regular season games and has five hundred and seventy three points. Yeah. Um, you know, plays gritty, plays uh, plays in the tough areas. He's, he's a big guy at 6'1", 192 pounds. Um, yeah, I just, I, I'm not really understanding where this is coming from. Um, that said, like I, I mentioned, I think, you know, as this plays out, I'm sure we'll hear more of what the story is, especially if Yandel's uh, moved to, a, to another team. And I didn't mention this, 62 points in 2018-19. You're letting a, a former 60-point defenseman, I, although that was the only time that he got 60 points, but he's also gotten 50 a few times. You're letting a 50-60-point defenseman sit, possibly trade him, all for what? I mean, you're only two years removed from that 62 points, and that's that's the frightening thing, is that, yeah. you know, 2016-17, 41 points. 2017-18, 56 points. 62, as you mentioned, in 2018-19. And even last season, 45 points in 69 games. Yeah. This isn't a guy who you should take lightly when it comes to, you know, what he's able to do on the ice. And, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of teams involved in trying to pick this guy up if they can make room, in you know, in their cap structure. Um, or it comes down to, you know... <sighs> What what are the Florida Panthers going to do to move this guy? I mean, you don't want to just bury a guy like that. That yeah. you know that then you're going to take a lot more criticism as a as a team than than you know being able to move them and, and you know the story comes out a little bit later, right? But yeah, I I don't know I I don't know what the answer is here, but I just I think 
there's more to this story than we're we're kind of aware of. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens and uh, see where he ends up because I don't think it's going to be in Florida, to be honest. Yeah, and the cap hit is still pretty big. Like it's over six million. So if you're a team right now, you're probably looking at them trying to retain some of that salary, try and handcuff them even more in that situation right now. And that's going to be interesting. How a move would play out is salary going to be retained. Is a team going to try and is, is a team really going to try and handcuff them? Like I, uh, I just said, it's, that's a big question right now. If he does get moved, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and, and kind of going off a of second chances, uh, Anaheim signed defenseman Ben Hutton to a PTO and now to a one-year contract worth $950,000. Um, Hutton's been around for some time. He's 27 years old, big defenseman, 6'2", 206 pounds. Um, he's played 341 games over his career, 86 points over that span. Uh, mostly with Vancouver, did have a stint last season with the LA Kings. Um, but that said, uh, solid pickup for for the Anaheim Ducks uh, in, a, in a depth role. Uh, former fifth round pick by Vancouver in 2012. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a solid pick for that or a solid pickup for them um, to to kind of bring him in and just be that uh, that depth guy, maybe a bottom pairing, maybe part of the taxi squad. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does in Anaheim. Yeah, and I also, if I'm not, yeah, Brandon Gooley, he's on LTIR too. So I think maybe they thought that Brandon Gooley had a good chance to make the roster. Ben Hutton could come in and try and fill that depth um, on the left-hand side. But yeah, for it's a really good depth move. But considering how this team was once stacked with defensemen, I mean... There was Cam, I mean, they saw Cam Fowler and Hampus Lindholm, but they had Sammy Vatten and they had Brandon Montour. They had Shea Theodore. Um, they still have Josh Manson, but they had an abundance of riches right now. Imagine if they didn't get rid of all three of those defensemen. And let's say that instead of Shea Theodore, Anaheim didn't protect Fowler or Lindholm. Imagine Shea Theodore right now on this Anaheim defense right now. It would be really, really solid. So their defense has come under question in the last few years, and maybe Ben Hutton can kind of like provide that, as you mentioned, that depth presence for the time being. But yeah, that that's it's it's interesting to say because I don't know how well this defense is going to be this year. I mean, he had a he had he had kind of a bounce back season last year, where he had 16 points, and he, I know you really shouldn't look into plus five, but he was a plus player. And the last few years, he was minus 23, minus 9, minus 22, minus 21. Then again, Vancouver was going through their own issues as well at that time. So I think maybe this would be uh, not necessarily a good change of scenery because he's still in California, but a good move for him to try and like develop and still uh, find that consistency on a roster. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, obviously we always love to hear about second chances and, and getting another shot at the NHL. So this could be his his next shot at the NHL. And, and hopefully from here he can he can find himself a, a full time gig. And um, even if it is a five, six defensive for all, uh, I think it's a good opportunity for him to kind of extend this career uh, for the time being. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Getting into some games here. Um, we saw 
Kirill Kaprasov finally make his NHL debut uh, for the Minnesota Wild. And what a debut it was. Um, <clears throat> scored the overtime winner. Um, not that you need to hear much more about it, but just, you know, he, he seemed to be buzzing just all over the mm-hmm. ice. Uh, you know, had, uh, had a number of opportunities created off of, uh, off the rush for his, his, his line mates. Um, but here's a guy that they've been waiting for, for a long time to, to make his NHL debut. Um, and, uh, finally he, he gets over and, uh, you know, what a start, a, go- a goal, a goal to assist and, uh, finished it off with the overtime winner. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be exciting to see what he can do in Montreal or sorry, Montreal, Minnesota. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's early, it's early folks. We're, we're recording nice and early, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it's going to be it's going to bring a lot of excitement to Minnesota, who, you know, over the last couple of years have kind of had that stale kind of game that they've played. Um, but for for a guy like Kaprasov to come in and, and you know give them a little bit of a offensive boost, uh, I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do over the next uh, next few years in a Minnesota jersey. Yeah, he, top line minutes playing alongside Bukesad and Parise. So, you know, he's getting his opportunities right now. And that's really good because they've waited for a really, really long time for him to come over. Um, I mean, just a, when you see rookies have that kind of performance, like Austin Matthews with four goals. I mean, McDavid and his rookie debut. This is a new age of like all these skilled players coming up right now and to see that right now minnesota's got really good although i think montreal would really love to have a player like carol kaprasov right now as well um but let's face it he's really really good six seasons in the khl 230 points in 293 games it took a while but now they're seeing why it's paying off this guy was like at a young age, I believe he's only 23 or even in his early 20s playing amongst men and putting up that kind of points. So, you know, he's ready to be. He's going to perform at this level right now. And he and it looks like early on, he isn't faced by it at all. No, oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you mentioned it. He just he kind of adds to that that changing game that we're seeing in the NHL these days. And and, uh, you know, all these talented players coming through the game is wide open. Now mm-hmm. they, they have that ability to skate. They have that ability to make plays and, you know, showcase their skill a little bit more than maybe the, the old, you know, poke and grab kind of game that we used to play, used to see, you know, even in, even into the early two thousands. Yeah. Um, but the game has changed in a big way for them. And, uh, you know, to, to see players come up like that, it's just, you know, it's incredible to watch these guys. And, and, and I can't even imagine having that that level of skill. And, and you know, <clears throat> he's coming over as a little bit of an older player. But yeah. <clears throat> we've seen older players win the Calder Trophy before. And this could be this could be a, a, an interesting year with the 56-game season. And to see what, you know, what uh, rookies really stand out. There's a lot of them in the league right now. Uh, and it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a, it's going to be quite the race. Not only that, they got an abundance of riches coming up. Marco Rossi, who unfortunately is on uh, injured reserve right now. Um, Kalen Addison, 
um, Adam Beckman, Mara Kusnadinov. So their pipeline for prospects is looking pretty promising right now. So adding Kaprizov, having Kaprizov in this mix right now, a year or two advance over everyone else, is just a start. And I think Minnesota won't be taken very lightly this year. No, and it's perfect because it breaks up the 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 years that you're gonna have to sign these players back for uh, extended contracts. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's perfect to get a guy going now. Um, you know, you you mentioned a couple of these young guys will come up in the next couple of years, and and they can kind of spread out the contract signings that they're gonna have to make. So um, I think great move by by Billy Guerin to get him over and uh, to get him in the lineup and. And what a start for for Minnesota to see a guy like that come in and really make some some big plays. Absolutely. But talking of big plays, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention a guy like Connor McDavid. Um, of course. You know, two uh, two games so far and uh, three three goals in in his latest game. Obviously, we're recording on Saturday morning, so. You know, we saw Konechny last night hit his hat trick. Mm-hmm. Um, Connor McDavid had a hat trick. Um, you know, unbelievable. This, I, I know we hear it all the time, but this kid's skill, and I can call him a kid. I'm 32. This guy's 24. <laughs> I can call him a kid. His 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 skill level is just unbelievable. Um, his first step, like. <clears throat> I heard Noah Hannafin recently speak about uh, co- playing against Connor McDavid on Spit and Chicklets, and um, he he discussed like you almost feel like you're in a good spot. You you can see him coming. You're ready to to do the transition, go from from backward skating to forward skating, and, and make the turn and cut him off. And all of a sudden he's he's by you, and mm-hmm. it's almost like you you see how quick he is on TV. On the ice, Hannafin said he's ten times faster than he is from what you see on the TV. I mean, this guy, like, just the absolute... And we, we talked about it, the skill level is just out of this world. And and even a guy like... I, I know we, it's not in the same conversation, but a guy like Travis Konechny, the way he's he's so small, um, so compact of a player, and for him to go out there and play the game that he does, he doesn't shy away from any of the, any of the tough areas either. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's able, on a team like Philly, to go out and get, like... You know, score his hat trick last night. He had three goals and an assist last night. Four point game. Um, it's just unbelievable the skill level that we're seeing, and and to have two guys um, this early on in the season put up hat tricks like that, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, Konechny goes to the dirty areas. Um, you know, he like like he said, he's not a, he's not afraid of anything. I mean, I think like. He's always in front of the net, always buzzing, always hovering. And that's kind of his, his office. McDavid, the whole entire race is his office. I mean, that second goal on the hat trick going end to end with his blazing speed, just blown by everybody, cuts to the middle, stops, and then gets a shot off. I mean, that is vintage Connor McDavid. And I'm saying vintage, even though he's only 24. I don't care. that When he pulls moves off like that, I'm just astounded. And this is a guy coming off a PCL injury where, you know, he rehabbed it just in time for the start of the season. This guy isn't human, I don't think. Like, everything that he does, even the way that he heals from an injury, is just so mind-boggling. And, he, like, you would think that, oh, a PCL injury, he would probably take a, a step down. No. He looks faster than ever. 
And I'm and like you, I'm just in shock at how well he continues to get faster. Because like I've seen him in the GTHO Erie. I think we could all um, take solace in the fact that we saw him growing up as a 16 year old till now. Franchise franchise label back then, franchise label right now, still going to be for the rest of his career. But his speed, man, I I just can't believe it. And I. I don't know where I saw it, and I, I and I'm really bad at this. I really got to get my sources down, but I saw like a comparison to like Alfonso Davies, where, you know, I think Alfonso Davies runs like 36 kilometers an hour. McDavid on skates ran 37, so like he's already like matching that speed. And we know how good Alfonso Davies is. Alfonso Davies is in soccer. I don't watch a lot of soccer, but you know who who Davies is. To have those kind of athletes have that kind of speed is just jaw-dropping it really is yeah no absolutely and i mean we're talking about a guy who five seasons in is almost at the half uh half mark or halfway mark to a thousand points um you know and, and that's including a short season of 45 games in his rookie rookie year and a short season last year with only 64 games and he's sitting at 473 points through two games of his sixth nhl season he literally could have had all, uh, again, the injury in 2015-16 and only played 48 points, but well above a point per game there. He literally, and three points away from 100 last year before the season shut due to the COVID-19 pandemic, he could have at least, I'm not saying at least, he would have had five 100-point seasons. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's... And- there's just no doubt about that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut off, but no, I, no, I that's okay. Get that in. That's yeah, 97 points in 64 games. Um, I mean, you just you don't see that anymore uh, in today's NHL. You just you you don't see any of that. Um, but yeah, just unbelievable, unbelievable uh, hockey from his standpoint. And as I mentioned, you've got you've got other guys coming into this league that are just purely talented. Uh, you know, guys like. Um, Guys like uh, Konechny, as I mentioned, guys like Kaprasov coming in. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's going to be a fun, fun league to watch and continue to watch um, moving forward. And and for a guy like McDavid, I, I don't I don't see him slowing down anytime no. uh, in the near future. And and I I saw a tweet the other day about, you know, if, if he does, he should consider retirement. But I don't see him <laughs> slowing down. At any point in I think the near he's, future. I think he's going to play into his 40s. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, especially with the game, the way that it's changed. It's it's not as physical as it once was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you have a guy like Zach Cassian on your on your team who's willing to go out there and, and stand up for you, you're going to have an extended career. It's it's just people aren't going to touch you the way they, they – they would if you didn't have a, a Zach Cassian. Yeah. And I think we'll get into it in a little bit, but I think that's what we're seeing with the Leafs now with, with Matthews and, and having a guy like Simmons and, and Thornton on their line or on their team. But uh, like I said, we'll get into that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be very fun to watch. Um, that said, they need to get some goaltending in Edmonton. They absolutely yeah. need to get some goaltending. I, I, I legitimate starter in Edmonton. Um, Mike Smith 
was just placed on long-term IR for the uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. Doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon. Um, across into the uh, a- another division, Zach Trotman is also out four to six weeks with a knee with a knee injury for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Not the way these guys want to start their their new seasons, obviously. Yeah, and especially with the additional time off, the short camp, you know, you want to you want to go in there and like have a good, or at least play to the best of your capabilities. And to have these injuries early on, it's, I mean, it's gut wrenching. You know, you spend all this time to work off in the off season, knowing the situation that's happening right now. Um, You go into like a, you know, a a little bit of an expanded bubble traveling. You still get to play. It's, and then you get dealt with a bad hand right now. It's, it's disappointing. It really is hard to see that right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And as I mentioned, I mean, Mike Smith's getting up there in age, uh, obviously a veteran uh, veteran goaltender in, in the league. But, um, you know, to see a guy like that go down, especially when, you know, it, it is going to be a shortened season and every game counts. Um, obviously, you want to have two very capable goaltenders with how compressed the schedule is. Um, so to, to see a guy like Mike Smith go down and, and kind of take that opportunity away and take that opportunity away from the, the Oilers to have two, you know, capable goaltenders uh i think that that hurts in a big way and mm-hmm. it, it'll be interesting to see where where edmonton goes with that absolutely i want to talk about a game last night that just did not seem to to really fit the two teams that were 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 involved in it um the colorado avalanche shut out the st louis blues Two years removed from their Stanley Cup win, mm-hmm. in an eight nothing blowout. Um, what uh, I like, I'm just I'm just kind of getting into the highlights now. But eight nothing on a team that you know Jordan Bennington's in that y- you really you don't expect to see a game of that magnitude this early in the season, do you? No, and this is a. Two days after the St. Blue, uh, St. Louis Blues won four one, so you immediately thought that you know, okay, the St. Louis Blues are in a good spot. Then you come out and you get the Colorado Avalanche that you know didn't necessarily come out in Game One, but definitely came out in Game Two. And Nathan McKinnon was firing, Nico Rantanen, Kale McCarr, Andre Burakovsky, everybody was firing on all cylinders in that game, and. I know we're going to we're going to get to it soon with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's early on, maybe not so much cause for concern, but this is how competitive it's going to be and this is how teams are going to have to go in with the mindset every single game right now that okay, we already played these guys once. We know what they're going to do. We know how well they're going to play. Reset no matter what the outcome is, pretend this is the first time you're meeting them again. So you're, you're probably going to see a lot more of that. You're probably going to see a, a lot closer games and quite a few blowouts because, you know, even though you're expecting of it, teams are going to maybe say, oh, okay, you know, yeah, we won this one. We got this. And then sort of take it lightly a bit. Um, not the case. Not the case. You're not jumping from team to team to team. And then you play the same team maybe th- a month or two later. And it's like, okay, 
well, I don't remember this. Uh, I don't remember like the tape again. We'll go back and look at it to get a familiar mindset. Now you're playing these guys, these teams constantly every single time. And maybe next time it'll be a closer game. I don't know. But I think that's just this, the trend we're going to see right now. We're going to see some blowouts and we're going to see some closer games. Yeah, I just think it's it's crazy because every game in this in this compact schedule counts in a big way. Like mm-hmm. they're all divisional games. Um, there's not as many points out there up for grabs. So for them to to kind of sit back and just watch an eight nothing game, like they they took a pounding, an absolute pounding last yeah. night. Uh, and and that's not to take anything away from Colorado. Colorado's a, a fantastic team, but. Um, you know, you're two years removed from uh, winning a Stanley Cup, and and I just did. Did Alex Petrangelo mean that much to that team, where they just don't have that same identity anymore? Um, you know, they lost Petrangelo, they lost Alex Steen, they don't have Tarasenko in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Is that can, is that enough to play such a big role in, in changing the identity of a team like that? It sure looks like it. I mean, this is the this guy was the heart and soul of the team. And I, granted, you have Ryan O'Reilly as the captain right now, but let's face it, Alex Petrangelo was the face of that franchise, and he meant everything to that team on the back end. Everyone followed his example. They followed his method of the way he plays the game: hard, gritty, in your face, moving the puck quickly. You take someone like him out of the lineup. It's it leaves a huge hole. Yeah, they got, you know, Tory Krug, but Tory Krug is not Alex Petrangelo. I mean, let's be realistic. I'd rather have Alex Petrangelo over Tory Krug any day of the week. 100%. 100%. And now he goes over to Vegas, who might who that team looks like to be the perennial contender or winner for that division right now. Um given how they manage their salary cap to bring him in, make moves to like get cap compliant. Yeah, St. Louis is going to make it, but they're going to be third. They're not going to be the top two teams like Colorado or Vegas right now. And they're looking like maybe an, I'm not going to say an early playoff exit, but if they're, depending on how the playoff format is, I don't even want, I don't even know what it's going to look like. I think it's going to be division, division, division. I, I, I could be wrong. I'll have to look at that. But I don't see them going far at all. And someone like Alex Petrangelo would have played a huge difference in that. Yeah, no, absolutely, um, and I and I do agree with you on that. I think there's enough there. Like you lose a guy like Petrangelo, even a guy like Steen, I think was a guy who was in the room and and constantly had something to say to, to try and you know deliver a betterment to this team. And uh, I think the loss of those two guys, and you know the loss of a guy like Jay Bomeister, um, you know yeah. I don't think that's talked enough uh, talked about enough either. This is a guy who you know, was kind of forced in retirement and, and did it peacefully in a way that, you know, he, he made peace with, with, uh, with the way that he had to leave the game. But, um, yeah, I think to, to, to lose three guys like that and then not have your, your big uh, scorer in Tarasenko in the lineup. I mean, it definitely, it, it hurts your team as a whole. Um, but again, I mentioned it, every game here is going to matter. Every game is a divisional game. Um, this is, this is, you hear it a lot as an athlete. You need to forget about that loss. Mm-hmm. Go to the next day and and try and forget about it and just and leave it in the back 
back of your mind. Um, otherwise, you can very quickly spiral, especially in a in a season where the you know fifty six games. It's not a lot of games to get uh, to get to where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just nailed it. Every point matters. Every game matters. You know, you got to come out flying, no matter who's in your lineup, no matter who's out. It's difficult circumstances, and these players know what they're getting into. I mean, they they dealt with it during the bubble of the playoffs, and now they're doing it for an even a longer experience, uh, extended period of time with the regular season and playoffs now. So it's going to be a long and grueling grind, given the circumstances. Yeah, you have no fans. It's, I mean, just literally the times are changing right now. You have to adapt to that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, a team that is adapting to an off-season, I guess I want to say injury, but uh, news that their newly signed goaltender, Henrik Lundqvist, would not be in the lineup for them this season after he underwent uh, heart surgery. They've had to had to find ways to to kind of fill that void in net, and uh, they did have a rookie goaltender head in there for Ilya Samsonov last night. Vitek Vanacek uh, jumped in into the net for uh, Washington. Stopped twenty three of twenty four even strength shots overall. Stopped thirty of thirty one shots to earn his first career NHL win. Um, I think it's a big move by Washington to to run with Ilya Samsonov and Vanacek. Uh, that said, they did also bring in Craig Anderson this week on a one-year $700,000 deal. Um, what do you make of this? Is Anderson a guy that maybe comes into the lineup or do you add him to your taxi squad? Uh, right now, it seems like you're going with the the, the right squad here in, in Samsonov and Vanacek, the right duo. Um, is this something that could last all season or or do you think they maybe bring in Anderson uh, down the road? I really don't know much about Vanacek. I, re- I really don't. Um, all I know is that, you know, first game, played really good, 968 save percentage, uh, quite a bit of time with the Hershey Bears, really looking, just a quick overview, really good numbers with the Bears. Um, always had a save percentage above 900. Low goals against average, uh, below 2.3 um, for a majority of the time. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Here's what I'm. Here's what I think about the Washington Capitals. Yeah, they were dealt a huge blow. They were probably hoping that Henrik Lundqvist would probably come in, split some of the games with Sansonov. But no matter who you, I think you put in net. Their defense and the way that their players are structured to play their game in their own zone, I think it's going to be an easy time for a goaltender because you have someone like John Carlson on the back end. You have defensive-minded players in uh, Dmitry Orlov as well as, you know, Brendan Dillon, Nick Jansen. You got someone in Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Jonas Siegenthaler. You have Zidane Char right now. You have really good depth on the back end. No, And they're all experienced. No one is... Aside from Siegenthaler, everyone is above 25 years of age. And they're in a good spot. And with the forwards that they have to come back and help out in Carl Hagelin, Lars Eller, even like their star players, I don't think it matters who's in net. Because Samsonov, you know he's going to be their starter this year as well as going forward. You have someone inexperienced like Vanacek and someone who's getting up there in Anderson. I think they're still going to do pretty well. Yeah, you may see a little increase in goals against, maybe, considering that, you know, 
the familiar with Anderson age and Vanacek, the unfamiliarity as he's still a rookie. But I think they're still going to do really well. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Obviously, a, a good start to the year at 2-0. Uh, each guy has a, a win for his club. But, um, yeah, I just I, – I, me personally, I think you, you stick with the rookies until they give you reason not to. Um, mm-hmm. Having a guy like Anderson on the taxi squad is obviously a bonus. Uh, you, you know, you get the experienced uh, veteran. Um, but at the same time, you want – this is the perfect season to kind of get um, – you know, get a feel for what you have in on your depth chart. And, and obviously Vanacek and the team playing in front of him. I mean, this is this is a, a good, solid defensive squad in Washington. So to have a guy like Vanacek come in and get that opportunity, I think it's uh, I think that's that's the way you want to go for the time being and and hold off on Anderson for the for, for now. But I, I don't I don't mind the signing as a backup plan. And they also have Zach Vukali on their taxi squad as well. Someone That's who's right. really struggled to try and, you know, find a home in the NHL as he was potentially labeled as a, as a future starter. Um, just really hasn't quite cut it. Does he get a chance at if someone, if the two, uh, not necessarily two, because I think Samson Ava is, I don't think he's going to be any cause or concern, but if Vanacek fails. Is Vukali going to come in over Anderson? So there's also that notion right now. It's um, they got four goaltenders to choose from. So it's um, if something good does go south, they have other options. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and just I I don't have this in my notes, but I just was looking at it. They they obviously beat the Buffalo Sabers last night. Mm-hmm. Buffalo is off to another Buffalo Sabers start. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you know, <laughs> obviously a team that signed. Taylor Hall in the offseason, brought in Eric Stahl, uh, Tobias Reeder, Dylan Cousins is there. Um, you got Tage Thompson on the top line. Jeff Skinner's playing on for- the fourth line right now. Um, man, 0-2 to start the year for the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, I don't I, – I just feel so bad for those Buffalo fans. Like, obviously, they're normally divisional rivals for us, but at the same time – Oh, I just, there's such a good fan base and they just cannot deliver year in and year out. And we talked about this a, a while back about, you know, how long does Jack Eichel stick it out in Buffalo? And mm-hmm. this start is definitely not going to help. Two things. One, Jack Eichel, Taylor Hall, and Dylan Cousins have been great. I'm even going to throw in Tage Thompson in there because he looks to, like, you know, find his place on the top line. He knows... From those two games, it looks like he knows where to go. He knows what his job is going to be, and he looks like he's fitting in on that top line. But $9 million for Jeff Skinner, and you're playing him on the fourth line. This is the worst contract in the NHL by far. And if you try, like, I'm, you can defend a contract all you want. You can say that, oh, yeah, he had a really good season and he deserved the $9 million after scoring 40 goals in 63 games. Okay, fair enough. I get that. Maybe still a bit too high for my liking, but after putting up 23 points the year after, and now he's on the fourth line, this contract is worse than the David contract signing. I mean, this is... I mean, it's paying out for Montreal right now. I know we said that that contract may not look as great because, you know, the one with the injury trouble that Josh Anderson had, 
Two goals against the Leafs. He's playing well. He's living up to that contract standards early on, only a game in, but he's performing well. How, if you want to try and go any farther, this contract is going to hinder you so bad. And even if you try to get rid of it, you can rest assured that a team is going to say, listen, there is no way in hell I'm taking on $9 million that full contract to take up 11% of a cap space. Well, that's currently what uh, is taken up for the Buffalo Sabres right now. I'm, you want to get that contract down to like maybe 3 million. Cause there's no way that if, if Jeff Skinner was to come on the Maple Leafs, there's no way Toronto's going to be paying that $9 million. They want that hovering even as low as 2.5. Yeah. Like that contract is just going to kill them right now. And let's face it, they need help in goaltending. If you want to try and move them for a goaltender, that's again, that money is going to hinder you. No one's going to want to pay a top tier end goaltender for a $9 million fourth liner. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, you're talking about a team who's already at $79 million for, uh, for their cap hit. They've just over, or sorry, just under $2 million in projected cap space, uh, yeah. according to Cap Friendly. 1.8. Um, and yeah, I, I, man, nine million for signed through the twenty six twenty seven season. Um, I just ah, I, it's it, you. I think you said it. It's it's probably the worst contract in the entire league right now. Uh, he's eating up eleven percent of his uh, of Buffalo's cap, and at twenty eight years old, uh, a no movement clause. This is not. This is not what you yeah. want to be looking at right now. <laughs> and yeah, you mentioned it. Like this is a this is a fan base that's dedicated to this team. I remember growing up and watching, you know, the early thousands Leafs, and I hated playing against the New Jersey Devils and the Buffalo Sabers. Why? Because they were extremely good. To pl- they were extremely great teams during for that time. And now. You have someone special in Jack Eichel. You have a really good top-the-pairing defenseman in Rasmus Stalin. Where do you go from there? What's going to happen when Tage Thompson has a breakout year and he wants $5 million? What's going to happen when Dylan Cousins, who was arguably a top-two player battling out with Trevor Zegers for top forward at that tournament, he's probably going to earn... Excuse me. He's probably going to want a big paycheck when his RFA season is over. And if maybe not this year, but if he has a good 2021, 20, 22 and 22, 23 season, he's going to have no money because all that money is dedicated to Jeff Skinner. You're going to have to move that contract. But even if you retain that salary, that's going to hurt you. That's still going to affect their contracts down the line. So consider this. At the end of this season, Taylor Hall's a UFA. Mm-hmm. Eric Stahl's a UFA. Tobias Reeder, UFA. Riley Sheehan, UFA. Sam Reinhart, restricted free agent. Um, Brandon Montour, UFA. Jake McCabe, UFA. Mm-hmm. Darlene, RFA. Henry Yokoharju, RFA. Matt Irwin, UFA. Carter Hutton and Linus Omar, both UFAs. This team is in rough shape. The cap is not going to be much higher than it is now. If at mm-hmm. all. And not only do you have three key RFAs that you're going to have to sign in Reinhardt, Darlene, and Yoko Arju, 
you have a number of UFAs that you're going to have to fill spots for. Whether it's them coming back or you going into the, the market and signing these guys, or you're, I mean, you can bring in some of your young guys, but one, you're bringing them into a, a, a losing uh, atmosphere, mm-hmm. um, setting them up for, for, you know, Edmonton did it for years with Hall, Eberle, Nugent yeah. Hopkins. They brought them into a losing atmosphere. Or two, you're going to be filling the void with uh, free agents. Um, if you bring these young guys up, expect to, to have another losing season. Expect to have another couple losing seasons. Absolutely. Um, and, and Zengis Gjergensens, he's on uh, LTR, he's on injured reserve, and there's 2.2 million added onto that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and kind of going off of that, following the 2021-22 season, Victor Olofsson, RFA, Cody Eakin, UFA, mm-hmm. Curtis Lazar, UFA, Ristolainen, Colin Miller, both UFAs. This team is in a scary spot right now. It's yeah. in a scary spot, and that doesn't even include their taxi squad. Casey yeah. Middlestat, RFA, after next after this season. William Borgen, RFA. Rasmus Asplund, RFA. Brandon Davidson, UFA. Jonas Johansson, RFA. That's your entire taxi squad aside from Jack Quinn. Yeah. So, man, this they've got to figure what, out what they're doing here because one. You're hurting, you're hurting the team, and you're taking away from the prime of Jack Eichel's career. Mm-hmm. Two, you've got a loyal fan base that is going to start to lose patience very, very soon, especially if they see a guy like Jack Eichel walk. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're if you're Buffalo, if you're in 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 their management uh, their management group right now. Start, start, draw. Get to the drawing board right now, and and start drawing up a plan because this is this is not looking good for you. And that plan starts by moving Jeff Skinner. Like that has to happen immediately. Everyone is saying that Toronto, that the Toronto Maple Leafs run cap hell. Oh man, the Buffalo Sabers is just in a sticky situation. At least the Maple Leafs have things figured out, and they have players to step in in the next two three years that are in the entry level deals like Nick Robertson. Let's hopeful. Let's be hopeful that Rodi Namirov could come up in two or three years' time. Uh, Rasa Sandin, Timothy Lilligren. We have players that could step up, and yeah, you could try and fill the void with you know Travis Dermott money if you try to extend them for a year or two. This is just worse. This is worse than that. It, yeah, and I feel really bad. And you said that Jack Eichel is going to walk. By walk, do you mean request for a trade, right? Absolutely, absolutely, I, yes. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's face it. UFA in 26, 27, I don't think he could wait that long to walk. I'm I'm going in, like, obviously, this year is a little bit different. If you want to wait a year, give it the circumstances, fine. But if by midway the 2021-22 season, when maybe you're hopeful that fans could come back in, everything's looking great, season's trying to get back to normal – if by then, halfway point, and I'm talking November, not necessarily halfway point, November, December, that's when you get a picture of where this, these teams are at. If by then Buffalo is just on another losing streak or just not doing well, I'm, go, I'm not even talking to my agent. I'm going in and I'm saying, listen, find me a new place. This isn't working out. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, just 
to add more fuel to the fire here, you've got a guy in Eric Stahl who's earning 4% of your cap. You've got a guy in Kyle Pozo who's 32, earning 7.4% of your cap, signed to another three years at $6 million. That's another contract that's you got to try and move now too. But Ocposo, no movement, modified, no no trade clause. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just, I don't, I, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I really don't know what to say. This is just sickening. Just looking at their cap. Um. Man, they're yeah. in, they're they're in rough shape. I mean, uh, but you know, it's it's Buffalo. Um, you know, they always say Leafs are leafing it right now while Buffalo's bu- Buffalo's sabering it right now, and yeah. it's not looking good for him. The good thing is from all of this is, yeah, Eric Stahl's 3.25. That's that's a manageable cap hit. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it's a little bit high in terms of percentage, but it's still manageable. Kyle Poso, Jeff Skinner combined, that's 15 million. If Taylor Hall wants an increase on that 8 million, maybe an extra million... 1.5, 9.5 million. Dylan Cousins down the line. If maybe he gets an extension at some point, you're going to have money tied to Eichel, Skinner, Hall, all making 9 million plus. Two of which probably deserve it. One doesn't. And now you're Dylan Cousins right now. You have a, fa- again, you have a fantastic world juniors. You're stop. you're, his stock right now or his value is skyrocketed. And now if he has to take less because of those contracts or that contract itself from Skinner, man, now you're going to have two star players probably being really disgruntled, let alone one. So a two part question before we move on from the Buffalo Sabres. Let's do it. Eric Stahl, future hall of famer. Um, you mentioned it. 3.25 is a manageable contract. Uh, you, you, do you believe he's a, he's a future hall of famer and two staying in Buffalo at this point at 24 years old, does it ruin Jack Eichel's chances of becoming a hall of famer down the road? Eric Stahl, I'm going to say yes. Hall of famer over a thousand points, 1200 games, the Stanley cup, um, you know, medals. World cha- World Championship gold medals, Olympics. Um, he, yeah, he's he's a Stanley Cup winner in my eyes. No, uh, not Stanley Cup winner. He's a Hall of I, maybe not first ballot, but he is a Hall of Famer considering his impact and his career. Jack Eichel, even w- playing on a team like the Buffalo Sabers. Why? Because you know he himself has been consistent in doing his role to try and do whatever like to try and at least help the team win i mean back-to-back 50 point seasons broke out uh 64 in 2017 18 went above and beyond with 82 points after that 78 points after that i still think he is a hall of famer no matter what i mean yeah you could argue that mcdavid already has like 500 points in the same amount of seasons as eichel but then again, you know, McDavid's McDavid. You know, he he's 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 gonna have it. He he should have his own section in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Well, he's but, got Leon Draisaitl to his to his uh, to his credit. wing as well. That for you sure know, certainly doesn't hurt the situation either. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Jack Eichel is doing everything by himself, yeah, I I would I would put him in the Hall of Fame. 
Interesting. I mean, definitely an interesting debate uh, to have. Um, I guess I look at it and say, look, if you're a point per game guy over your career, Mm -hmm. um, is that enough? And like I've been vocal about my thoughts on the Hall of Fame and how I I honestly believe that it's a very diluted um, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, That said, I think there's there's a huge backlog of people that they want to get into the Hall of Fame. But just can't. and, and just can't. And I think there's mm-hmm. a huge uh, there's a huge discrepancy in in what what makes you a Hall of Famer. And at this point, if you to me, if you're a point per game guy over your career, doesn't guarantee you a Hall of Fame spot. Um, yeah. And I'll bring up Theo Fleury as an example. This is a guy who averaged a point per game over his NHL career, won at every single level of the game, and remains outside of the Hall of Fame. Um, and obviously there's, there's uh, other circumstances to that, to that as well, but, um, it makes, it it really makes you wonder if, if not having the Stanley cup, not having the personal, uh, individual awards or accolades as well. Um, you know, if that brings into question your spot in the hall of fame and Mm -hmm. again, we're talking about a guy who's only five seasons into his career, but it has to be a question that definitely comes into his mind, um, you know, when he signed that long-term deal with Buffalo yeah. uh, and, and and looking at the direction of the team now. I mean, yeah. And I, I, I guess, I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, you know, the whole Joel Thornton and, you know, Jerome McGinley thing. Um, obviously, they didn't win the Cup, but they at least have some other accolades accolades to their name in the past in terms of international hockey experience. I mean, I know Jerome McGinley, gold, his gold medals, world juniors, everything like that. So he deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame, given the fact that even though he hasn't won a cup, he's still deserving to be in there. Same with Joe Thornton. Same with all these other players that, you know, didn't win a cup. Matt Sundin didn't win a cup, but he has an Olympic gold medal to his name. So, yeah. I, me, I, sorry, I correct gonna, me if I, I'm wrong. Uh, Ginla also has a Rocket Richard. There you go. Yeah, there was that one year where it was a three-way tie, I believe, with him, Nash, and Kovalchuk, right? Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, now that you bring that up, Jack Eichel really doesn't have... I don't think Jack Eichel has awards to his name. So there's also that factor in there. Um, I'll, I'll just throw this out real quick. Jerome McGinley, individual accolades. Mark Messier Award in, in 20, uh, 2008, 2009. Yeah. NHL Foundation Player Award in 2003-04, Art Ross in 01-02, Maurice uh, Richard Trophy in uh, 01-02 and 03-04, so he had two. Um, Ted Lindsay in 01-02 and King Clancy in 03-04 on top of his international accolades as well. So in that sense, without the Stanley Cup, you can still argue him being a Hall of Famer. With um, those awards. Also, if you look at Calgary's all-time points, I mean, he's right up there. And I think that's why you see a guy like Matt Sundin in there is because for a team like Toronto, for him to be the all-time point leader on a franchise yeah. of that magnitude, um, I think that's why you look at something like that for a guy like Matt Sundin. Yeah, and 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 that's fair. And that's fair. You got to take those into consideration. And 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 again, Jerome McGinley is wholeheartedly, deservingly to be in the Hall of Fame with the awards, despite no Stanley Cup. So now, now that you bring that up, maybe, maybe Jack Eichel maybe isn't really fit for the Hall of Fame now. 
And, and, I take that back. <laughs> but you, and, and we mentioned it. We're five seasons into a, a kid's career. Yeah. I'm just thinking more along the lines of if Buffalo never turns it around. And, and I mean, we're talking from a Toronto from a Toronto fans perspective. Um, you know, we've seen Toronto go 50 something years without a cup. Mm-hmm. Um, if if Buffalo never has that kind of success you know, is this a guy that maybe loses his opportunity at, at individual accolades and, and having, you know, team success by staying in Buffalo. And that's, that's the question I raise. And it's huge. I mean, debate it, please, please. If you're listening to this episode, debate it, talk to, talk to Peter and I, we want to hear hear your your opinions. Absolutely. I just, I, it's a question that has, has surfaced in my mind and I can only imagine that at some point uh, it's come to his his mind when looking at where this team is going. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. He he is capable of winning those leadership awards, capable of, you know, he does have the capability of being an MVP down the line. Uh, Rocker Richard, we've seen his shot. He can score. Absolutely. It's just, yeah, it's... Is Buffalo the team that he's going to do it with? That's the main question. Obviously, I know that there were rumblings that maybe New York may have been in on him when Jack Eichel, quote unquote, wanted to trade out or he went and said that um, early in like, I think it was May or April or May, early on in the pandemic when it hit. And I think that New York is a team that would benefit Jack Eichel. Yeah, absolutely. Given, obviously, bit more magnitude, bit more prominent considering it's an original six team, but he would thrive in that environment and you would probably see a different Jack Eichel than you would with the Buffalo Sabres. Him alongside Lafreniere. Um, oh, yeah. And Panarin. And Panarin. Oh, wow. Man, I don't even want to think about that right now. No, absolutely not. That, that's just, that's just dirty. That's just, that. that's, that's like... That's like piling up a roster on an NHL via GM <laughs> mode right now, like just cheating your way through the system. Yeah, turn off the uh, smart trades on the uh, <laughs> on NHL 21. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, we'll move on from Buffalo. Obviously, there's a yeah. lot to consider there, but uh, one of the one of the things I don't always enjoy talking about is is suspensions in in hockey, and uh, um, obviously that means somebody did something wrong or somebody's somebody's been hurt. So. We'll quickly get over this, but we obviously we want to we want to mention it for for those listeners that uh, you know count on us for for news and um, mm-hmm. St. Louis Blues forward Sammy Blay uh, was suspended two games for his hit on Wednesday on Colorado Avalanche defenseman Devin Taves. Uh, it was an elbow uh, that he was called for a two minute minor at the time of the incident. Uh, that said, the league revisited it and suspended the forward for two games. On top of that, Pittsburgh's Jared McCann will have a hearing today, uh, Saturday, for elbowing Philadelphia's Travis Sine, uh, Sanheim. Stumbled over that one, but um, all good. Yeah, so uh, Jared McCann looked for that uh, when you, when this uh, or, or this episode is released, he mm-hmm. may have been suspended already. Um, that said. Uh, you know, be sure to be sure to tune into other outlets for 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 the news as well. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I don't mind the two two game suspension for Sammy Blay. I, I just watched the incident, and uh, 
yeah, it's it's one of those things they're trying to get out of the game, and you know, I don't I don't have I don't have anything really more to say about it. It's it's two games. He'll sit for two, and uh, you know, uh, we'll see we'll see how, what St. Louis can do uh, without without another one of their their forwards that uh, has been able to get into the grimy areas. Yeah, I'm just looking at a like a freeze frame shot of a video on Yahoo Sports by James O'Brien, uh, and it has a video screenshot as the main image but suspended two games and you can see Devin Tays looks like like he is battling for the puck head is down he doesn't even it looks like he doesn't even notice that blaze uh semi blaze coming and the fact that you know his shoulder looks already in line with his head that's already looking ugly so you know what it look like it does look like main head of contact like the main principal point of contact was the head yeah, get that stuff out of the game. Like, I know you want to be physical. I know you need to battle for the puck, but you see someone that vulnerable in a position, you could try and let up, you know, like, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, as we mentioned, uh, McCann, McCann's was uh, kind of a similar situation. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously they'll look at that today and, and make their decision, but Going off of what they what Sammy Blay uh, was suspended, I I wouldn't be surprised if we saw one or two games suspension for McCann as well. Yeah. Then again, you know sometimes the consistency with suspensions haven't been that great. So. Oh, absolutely. There's a nice <laughs> beautiful gray area right where the NHL uh, Department of Player Safety is concerned. Yeah. Last last bit of news here for the NHL. Um, the Bruins will be retiring the number 22 mm-hmm. um, on February 18th as, uh, to, to honor Willie O'Ree as the first black player in the NHL. Uh, I think this is a great move by the, by the league. I think it's a great move by the, the Bruins. Um, you know, obviously a guy who didn't, didn't play a, a huge role in terms of how long he played his longevity that said, he was a trailblazer and what he was able to do in the NHL and, and, and add, add that, uh, you know, that step in the right direction in terms of opening the game to, to black players and, and, you know, making, making a kind of a spot in the NHL for, for, for black players is just, uh, you know, it's an incredible feat and, you know, obviously we honor him and, and, uh, the hall of fame has honored him and, uh, you know, he's a, he's a key, key person in, in, uh, hockey's history. So that's, that's exciting news. February 18th, they will retire his number 22 in Boston, raise his number to the rafters. And I think it's, uh, it's an incredible move by the, by the, uh, the organization and the league. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, his accomplishments on the ice, but also off the ice and trying to expand the game. Um, it's it's just remarkable what he's doing. Like even though he's not playing, it's remarkable what he's doing to help. I, I, again, I, I this is this is this has been long overdue. It should have happened sooner, but I'm glad that they are doing it. And it's the way that again he's doing everything to impact the game, um, to help grow the game with uh, black players as well. It's just absolutely great, and going to be the 12th player in Bruins history to have the number retired. And he's in some pretty great company and he deserves to be in that company. Uh, like there's just no other way around it. 
Yeah, and absolutely. And uh, Bruins CEO Charlie Jacobs did say in a release, throughout the history of the National Hockey League, there have been very few individuals that have had such a profound impact on the league and its culture than Willie O'Ree. Mm-hmm. After breaking the color barrier as a Boston Bruin in 1958 and eventually retiring from professional hockey in 1979, Willie became the ultimate ambassador for improving diversity and inclusion within the game of hockey. The entire hockey world is forever indebted to Willie for all that he has done and continues to do for the sport. We are incredibly proud to retire Willie's number and cement his legacy as one of Boston's greatest athletes. So I think it's worth noting uh, there was a lot of reaction from uh, black players that uh, on Twitter um, after this was released, uh, one of which was Akeem Alou saying that, you know, it's a long time coming, but glad to see that it is happening. Um, yeah, I think, uh, and it's nice to see, like, Willie O'Ree's uh, response to it is is simply, I'm thrilled and overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and just uh, just really, really great stuff. Um, besides O'Ree, there was 31 other Bruins who have worn the number 22. Uh, this includes Hall of Fame defenseman Brad Park, Arizona Coyotes coach Rick Tockett, Brian Leach, Butch Goring, Joseph Stumple, and uh, Sean Thornton um as well so uh, i think that's uh that's worth noting um obviously nobody will be wearing that that jersey again and mm-hmm. uh i think that it's a great uh, a great move by the organization as i mentioned and uh, you know it's excited to I, i'm excited to see that happen so yeah even Patri- uh, patrice bergeron echoed the same sentiments you know the impact that he's had breaking the color barrier the impact of inclusion and diversity it's he's a he's an ambassador to hockey right now and it's about time that he got recognized for it and this is just absolutely perfect and again i I said it before long overdue should have happened sooner should have happened you know many years ago but i'm i'm glad it's happening i really am glad that it's happening right now yeah no and it's perfect and if anybody wants to check it out uh life story um was chronicled in a documentary uh, released in 2019 called Willie. Um, yes. But uh, definitely check it out. Uh, as I mentioned, February 18th, his number will be retired, uh, and, and it'll be a great moment for the league, the game of hockey, and uh, I, I personally believe the black community as well. Yeah. Fantastic documentary if you haven't watched it. Jumping over to the NWHL for a second, um, obviously, you know, we want to get more uh recognition to women's hockey um mm-hmm. they will be jumping into the bubble uh at in lake placid um very exciting their sixth league is about to get un- or sixth season rather uh will be getting underway come january 23rd um uh, for the isabel cup uh the toronto six will be debuting uh in their inaugural season that said they will also They've also uh, partnered with uh, the ECHL's Brampton Beast. Uh, obviously, we had their play-by-play guy on, Anthony Fusco, a few episodes ago. Um, and just speaking with Anthony, uh, he, he mentioned that uh, it's a great partnership. Obviously, they'll be looking to do like double headers, um, kind of create more, uh, more promote education and empowerment and inclusion in hockey. Uh, so I think it's a great opportunity for both sides. Um, obviously the six is looking to promote, 
uh, women's hockey in the Toronto area. They're the first Canadian team in the NWHL. Uh, they've also partnered with the uh, Canadian Tire, which is a big move. And and I don't want to say that um, you know the team requires these partnerships, but it, it definitely brings a lot of recognition to uh, you know their inaugural season and what they're going to be doing um, as 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 years progress. And hopefully, we can get the NWHL to continue to grow and uh, from there, it, it, you know, grow the game of, uh, of hockey uh, among young women as well. So um, I think it's great. There's going to be uh, some games that are televised. The Isabel Cup will be televised for the NWHL, which is a huge, huge, huge bonus. Um, folks, tune in. This is, uh, you know, it, it's great hockey. It's fantastic hockey. Yeah. Um, and, uh, obviously, you know, if we can, we're going to try and get some members of the six on eventually down the road that falls on you listeners, make sure you listen, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. But if you do that, we can hopefully get some of these guests on and, um, you know, work towards growing the game of women's hockey as well alongside, uh, the Toronto six. So, uh, with that said, let's move on to a Maple Leafs talk and we, we, uh, recording obviously on Saturday. So the Leafs do play tonight against the centers in the second half of uh, their back-to-back, but we want to discuss their first two games of the season. Uh, Leafs have five, four win in overtime on Wednesday. Leafs fall to the senators five, three last night, Friday night in their second Mm -hmm. game. uh, And it was not pretty. Um, I know you have a lot to say about it. So uh, take it away. Yeah. The joys and pain of being a Leaf fan right now. I mean, the first game, yeah, you, both teams are very rusty coming out of the gate. That's to be expected with a short camp and everything, right? Seems sluggish, but, you know, they seem to have the drive to come back. Even though they were down 3-1 at that point, they battled back as hard as they could. And that kind of, like, set the whole entire premise of, like, you know, their expectations heading into the season, being accountable, battling, being tough to play against. You kind of saw that with Montreal. Whole different ball game with the Senators game last night. And I mean, going back to last season, Mike Babcock before he got fired, kind of, kind of era. Um, I'm just like, if you want to have or like be that team to be feared against, play it. Play like it. I saw no intensity whatsoever in that Senators game. They were up 2-1. Kerfoot had a nice goal. And then after that, they just fell apart. Nick Paul just breaks away from two players, leads to the tying goal. Right after that, bad defensive coverage. Frederick Anderson kind of also out of position as well. And then after that, it's just issue after issue after issue. After that third goal... It, it it was their it was like they went back to their old ways and it was just very disappointing to see them play like that considering that you know they wanted to be tougher to play against. T.J. Brody tried to tie up uh, Brady Kachuk, his stick is way over his head, and then Kachuk easily tips the puck in. How's that going to help you? That's not being tough to play against. That's just giving him a freebie. And I know it's only two games into the year. I know we shouldn't be making these lash claims or jump to conclusions and all that there is still time but we mentioned it with when we were talking about the colorado and st louis blues 
you only have 56 games to play to be to be played this year. Each game is just important as the next one, and there's no way that you could play those kind of games consistently and expect to be successful or go far even into the playoffs. And I have a question for you because there was a lot of debate online. Who is more to blame right now? Is it the defense or is it Frederick Anderson? Because right now, Frederick Anderson, like I saw a different, like obviously Frederick Anderson was shaking in the first game, but he looked to compose himself in afterwards, settled in against Montreal. Frederick Anderson against the Ottawa Senators looked completely different. Five on five, save percentage. Or face 18 shots at five on five, 15 saves, 0.833. Save percentage, 4.37 goals against. In total, that came out to 254 expected goals against, 0.792 save percentage. Is Frederick Anderson an issue, or is it more so still the team in front of him trying to figure things out? It's a you know that's a tough question to answer. I do think there are still holes on the back end. Um, that said, I I think Anderson, you know, and I've said it before, where Anderson's not the not the goalie that has gone out there and stolen games for them in the past. Um, yeah, and, and I think right now, um, that's honestly that's what they need is they need they need a goaltender who's going to go out there and, you know get it done and, and steal games and come up with big saves where maybe the, you know, the defense is going to let you down, but you know, they need that big save to kind of really shut the door. Maybe, maybe it motivates the team as well to, to, you know, play a little bit harder in front, block more shots. Um, yeah. Like I said, I think there are still holes. Um, I think, you know, Toronto's still trying to figure things out, especially with adding, you know, some new bodies there. Uh, but it's it's also the play of the forwards in in their own end as well, and mm-hmm. I think that's been that's been hurting <clears throat> as well. I know even watching the Montreal game, there was a number of uh, times where, you know, the defense are trying to clear the puck up the boards, and and the 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 wingers just aren't there. And yeah. it's easy, easy. It goes back to early, you know, minor league hockey. If you're playing on the wing, if you're playing forward, get on the boards and be ready to help the puck out. And, uh, yeah, I just, I haven't seen that. I think that's, uh, you know, that's hurting the team, but I do think Anderson's got to be better. He has to be better. He has to find a way to make those big stops. And, um, if not, this is going to be, this is going to be a short season for the Leafs. It's going to be a very short season. Uh, we'll be talking about another first round exit. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, I, in, in saying that, I don't want to take anything away from the senators either. Um, absolutely. You know, this, this, they seem to be that team that's kind of on the verge of being the, the Vancouver Canucks of this season where, you know, the expectations are low, but, uh, you know, their ability to get it done is going to be a lot better than people think. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, teams have to be careful when they're playing the centers and, and the Leafs are going right back at it tonight. They cannot take a shift off. They have to play 60 minutes. Last night, you know, the Tavares, the Tavares line looked more like the first line than anything. Um, yeah. You know, and and 
the Leafs just aren't getting what they want from that first unit. And we talked about it uh, last episode. Is this just an experiment to get, you know, maybe see if Thornton can get it done on the top line? And, um, you know, I, I know Sheldon Keefe said he's going to, he does he wants to be patient with, with the lines that he's put together. But yeah, I just, I haven't seen what I want to see from, from the, the top unit yet. And, uh, you know, we mentioned it. Two games in, you're one and one. Uh, every point counts. So that's going to be. It's going to be. You don't want to fall too far behind quickly because every game is a divisional game, and it's going to hurt you in the long run. Yeah, we already saw Keith shuffle out or like shuffle the lines when things started to get ugly. I know at one point he went back to his original power play unit, having Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, Riley out there. Um, put Zach Hyman back out for a couple of shifts uh, with Austin Matthews and Marner. And it's a good thing that you brought that up. Um, you mentioned uh, earlier about, you know, you can't take shifts off Austin Matthews. And this is uh, from Kristen Shilton online uh, post game. Austin Matthews said, I think we were playing a little too loose. That's a team that works hard. They aren't going away. That's on us. We can't take our foot off the gas. No mercy. So when I hear no mercy, I automatically, I, I'm a nerd. I automatically go to, there's no mercy in this dojo, you know, um, you know, Sensei Reese from the Karate Kid, you know, classic movie. I digress. But Austin Matthews is right. You can't take any team lightly. And I'm giving full credit to the Ottawa Senators right now. The Leafs came out flying in the first period. They, they haven't played a game, I believe, in over 300 days. So, or close to 300 days, somewhere around there. This is their first game. So obviously they're a little bit shaky, but they started to get more comfortable as the game went on. And you saw that and you know, and you mentioned that, that they're going to be the Vancouver Canucks. They're going to grind it out every single game. And this is a gritty team right now. They have leadership. They have depth. Maybe not as strong as you, maybe you would like to be, but they got some good leadership presence right now. And with Matt Murray in net standing tall on his head to try and, and that's the goaltending that the Leafs need. Matt Murray gave the Senators the goaltending that they needed to try and give them that momentum. And it worked perfectly. So, obviously, you mentioned the lines. Is there going to be some shuffles? Is Thornton going to be on the third line now? Is Zach Hyman going to come back up on the top unit? Is someone like Nick Robertson going to come in? Miko Lettinen on the back end? He has, like, yeah, he wants to be patient. But I give him at least another two games to figure everything out. I know a small sample, but let's face it, this is a shorter season, man. You have no time to wait. No, you patience in a season like this, it's not uh, it's not going to do you any favors. Um, and uh, I, I'm with you. I like I'd like to see Miko Lettinen come in. Um, I think he has a better all around game than a guy like Zach Bogosian. And I said in the first game mm-hmm. after Bogosian took his second minor penalty, uh, is this yeah. a time where maybe we see. Uh, Miko Lennon, better skater, uh, you know, better uh, puck distributor, be- better puck distributor. I think a better shot all around. Um, still a big guy and uh, willing to willing to you know play the play the position properly. And I just I feel like Bogosian just was more of a hindrance than anything, even though he yeah. was playing third pairing. Um, yeah, I just I wasn't overly impressed. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see see what comes of that. But, yeah, uh, tonight's a bounce back. Uh, Saturday night, Leafs-Senators, um, you know, primetime game. 
Um, yeah, I think I think it's uh, they got to figure it out. They got to figure it out, and they got to do it fast. Is Jack Campbell the answer? And it could be it could be as simple as that. But it, again, it falls on does a team have mm-hmm. that kind of confidence in that goaltender? Uh, if yeah. the team's playing with no confidence in front of a backup goaltender, you're, then you're going to be relying really heavily on Campbell. And and maybe he can live up to that. Uh, he seems like, I mean, just from reading some of the things he says from time to time, <laughs> he seems like a very interesting character. Yeah. And maybe that's maybe that's what he wants is is the pressures on him and and now he's he's got the opportunity to steal a game, um, but yeah I think it'll be interesting to watch and obviously we'll talk about it next episode as well. But I do want to get to and we talked about it a little bit with Matthews um, in front of the net in the Montreal game. Um, took two pretty severe cross checks from from Shea Weber and Ben Sherratt. Mm-hmm. Uh, his agent jumped on Twitter, and uh, we—I mean, I think we've been seeing a lot of that lately, where agents have have uh, been a little bit outspoken on Twitter. But um, his agent jumped on Twitter and mentioned, uh, you know, the, the NHL needs to protect its star players. We've been seeing cross checks in front of the net for decades. Um, yeah, it 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 is part of the game. That said, you don't normally see a guy of Matthew's magnitude in front of the net, taking those kind of chops to the back, you know, right where the, the padding ends. Is this something that we will continue to see? I mean, Matthew's comments were more along the lines of, we want to see consistency in the calls. If Matthew's turns around and cross checks, either Shea Weber or Ben Sherratt back, He's looking likely looking at a two minute minor, yeah. Uh, whether it be retaliation, cross check, whatever the the case may be, he's looking at a two minute minor. Is there a double standard for net front presence and what you're allowed to do? I mean, based on what happened, yeah. I mean, like. I that was a fantastic article that you brought up and you mentioned the retaliation aspect or just letting the call like just calling it like it is those are those kind of battles they're not something new like you said it's been going on for decades even when I was playing every single time when I was in front of the net I get a chop to the back I didn't like it I'm cross-checking back and it's a battle in front of the net and there are times where like I I'm the one who gets knocked down cross-checked under the ice i come back and i cross-check a guy and i'm the one who gets the penalty retaliation i'm i know what that is like it's a tough area on the ice and you know that it's going to be a battle no matter what but there has to be a point where enough is enough and those two cross-checks the weber and charat cross-checks were both the reserving of a penalty that should have been two right then and there one for weber one for charat and one of them was from Weber, of all people. Shea Weber's a strong guy. So you know what you're getting yourself into. But at the same time, call it like it is. And that's just, and we mentioned the consistency factor earlier on. The consistency factor, whether it's a penalty or supplemental discipline, it's not there. And that's where the NHL and the referees fail to see. And I'm seeing a lot of discussion about this. You see the NFL protects the quarterbacks. 
you see the NBA protect the star players. I mean, we've seen so much. How many times have we seen LeBron James get a call even when it's not supposed to be a call? I'm not saying that, oh, you know, Shea Weber just like lightly punches Matthews. Okay, two-minute roughing. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that cross shot to the back. That is a penalty. Call it like it is. Like, it's just simple as that, you know? Like, we've talked about, like, the, like those two leagues protect their star players. Obviously, I know hockey's a rough sport. I know you know what you're getting yourselves into when you're in that kind of a battle. But if I'm a referee and I see a guy get knocked down twice at the ground like that, I'm putting my arm up. I don't care. I'm not saying this because we're a Maple Leaf podcast. I'm saying that if that is a Montreal player, that is a Vancouver, Edmonton, Boston, Philadelphia, you name it. Anytime I see something like that happen, I'm all for a battle, but that that could have been severely that could have been an injury. And Matthews could be out for, you know, maybe a game or two or even longer. Yeah, so I'm going to go off of what you said. And, and some of the comments I've received back is is from, are from Montreal players. And yes, Brandon Gallagher stands in front of the net and takes a beating. Brandon Gallagher also backs up into the goaltender and, and makes contact with the goaltender. Yeah. Um, that That's my argument there. Um, that being said, I don't want to see a guy like Brendan Gallagher get beaten down with a cross check to the back where the pads, where there, there is no padding. Yeah. Um, that's just not part of the game. Um, and, and I, I do feel like there needs to be consistency because I mentioned it in the article. If, if Matthews turns around and hammers him back, that's a penalty to Matthews. He's going off for two minutes. Yeah. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, if, if, if Brennan Gallagher turns around, let's say takes a slash off the back of the ankles from Frederick Anderson, turns around and slashes Anderson, that's going to be a penalty for for Gallagher. At a certain point, and, and and I mentioned that, you know, in Montreal, Gallagher is seen as a star player. Whether you consider him a star player in the NHL or not, I don't. But whether you, you consider him a, a star player in the NHL or not, it's a he's a guy that for them is, is one of their more offensive players. Yeah. And yes, he gets to the grimy areas. Yes. He gets beaten down and he should not have to face those cross checks in front of the net. Maybe shoves, shoves, you know, push him around a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Fight we see for, shoves for a long time. Absolutely. Fight for position. But the second you raise your stick and you're, you're trying to cr- basically break it over somebody's back, get out of here. Like, yeah, and, and, and that's why I loved and, – and we'll bring up our next point here as well. That's why I loved you know seeing Simmons in front of the net and Chirot trying to do the same damn thing to Simmons. Yeah. And all Simmons turned around – all Simmons did was turn around, throw his gloves down, and punch Chirot in the face. And look, I'm not an advocate for stage fighting, but that right there is, is exactly why you need fighting in the game. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why you need fighting in the game because a guy like that, if he's going to go around and use his stick to to abuse players in front of the net, I have no issue with somebody turning around and punching him right in the face. Yeah, and I rather ha- I rather see someone like Simmons who has that you know physical edge do that as opposed to Matthews trying to drop the gloves against Shea Weber. Like that's just an unfair matchup. Matthews is not a fighter. Yeah, we've seen him get in the skirmishes and like scrums and everything, but he can't fight. No, like that should be expected to. He should be. He should be. But at the same time, you don't want to see your star players fight. Then again, maybe it's good. Maybe it's maybe it's about a point where maybe Matthews does have enough and he does drop the gloves and say, you know what? Enough of this crap. 
you know what? We're not going to take this. I know seeing Wayne Simmons do that after a cross shag, and there was already a penalty on the play. And then Chirac gives him another push right after. Simmons retaliates back. That's game on. That's an invitation to fight. And I'm glad Simmons stood up for himself. And that fight changed the whole momentum of the game. That got Toronto back in it. They tied it up. And you see Simmons' reaction looking back at the bench, yelling, let's go. That's what we want to see. That's the toughness that we want to see this team play. Like you, I'm not all for stage fighting. But when it comes to a point where you're being, like, abused on the ice, yeah, you're, you should drop the gloves. But something like the way that Wayne Simmons did that was perfect. And I want to see that consistently because I'm still loving that fight no matter what. Somebody does something that you don't like, yeah, drop them. If, they're, if it was a clean hit and Simmons dropped the gloves just for the sake of fighting the gloves, fine, whatever. Complain about that all you want. But that was an invitation to fight. That could have been serious. That, that obviously wasn't as bad as Matthews's uh, cross check, but it could have done damage to Simmons's back. And he's just like, nah, screw this, drop the gloves, couple punches after he wins it. Obviously, he wanted to make sure that Sherrod was okay, good on him. But don't do that, and you won't have to fight. Yeah, and, and you know what? That, this is exactly why they added Simmons. And if I'm Simmons after after the cross-checks to, to the back of Matthews, I mean, that's your star player. I'm skating over there, and I'm saying, you do that again, and I'm coming right back at you. And and let them know. Let them know that this is, you know, you're not going to you're not gonna settle for this shit in front of the net. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I think. I don't think Matthews is being a baby asking for consistency. I think he's looking for there to be a, a clearly defined understanding of what the rule is. Yeah. The same way that, you know, two, three years ago when, when Johnny Goudreau got slashed on the hand and it broke his hand, they changed the rule in terms of what is considered a slash. They had the refs come in. They had them look at tape and they, they – clearly define that hey this is a slash on the hands we're not going to accept it anymore our star players are getting injured because of stupid crap like this yeah and at this point they need to do the same thing with cross checks and say look when you two-hand a guy in the back of like in the back when your 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 stick your your composite stick is bending over somebody's back something needs to change yeah and it's a good thing that you brought that up because nobody complained about Johnny Goudreau afterwards. Like his hand was broken and it was on an unprotected area of his wrist. And now all of a sudden you never hear Matthews complain about anything. This is, I think out of his whole entire time as a Maple Leaf, this is the only time where I heard him stand up for himself and say, you know what? Just, just call it like it is. Even there were even times where I think there was even like a couple bad hits where it led to a shoulder injury or it led to him being out for a specific amount of time. He didn't want anything to do with that. He just went out and played and scored. That's what Austin Matthews does. But now he's got a target on his back right now. And not again, not just protect the star players, protect every player, even if that wasn't Matthews. And I said that like Simmons right there. Protect the player, for God's sake. Simple as that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I, I just uh, – I'd like to see what comes of it. Um, I was surprised, actually, to see that, you know, there was no fine on the on, on, on the comments normally when you, you do criticize officials. And I don't, I don't know if it was more of a criticism or just 
more of a, a, an interest into where the where the gray area lies. Um, but I, I was surprised that there was no fine on the on the on the comments. But that being said, uh, I'm interested to see where the league takes it and, and if they look at it further uh, moving forward. For sure. That said, um, there there was one player, especially in the Montreal game, who really stood out to me. And, uh, you know, I've been known to just crucify this player when he doesn't play well, uh, whether it be defensively or shying away from physical the physical side of the game. But William Nylander was just all over the place. Um, I mentioned it. He he was able to back check. He was able to to get into his own own end and and help out the play. There was a few miscues on his part, but when you go out there and you you pot two goals and have an assist and 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 really have a, a good game all around, um, man, what a start to the year for a guy like William Nylander. Yeah, that I was see, I was a little hesitant with Jimmy VC on that second line, but that was the best line in that Montreal game, and it looked like it was you know kind of the best line in this game as well. You know, um, both Nylander and Tavares uh, were catalysts on that Zach Hyman goal, leading to the one nothing, uh, making it one nothing. Um, obviously, a lot of players didn't play well against Otto, but I thought that line still really stood out early on in the game, and they were still trying to like you know generate momentum. But that second goal, I mean, we could we could talk about like the first goal and how it got through traffic over. Uh, Carey Price, that second goal was absolute deception. That was like Austin Matthews kind of deception. Looking as a pass and then shoots and then scores. Like he was, when he was looking at, he wasn't even looking at the net. He was thinking pass all the way through. And to do that, to fool someone like Carey Price like that, that is really hard to do, even if you are Austin Matthews. So honestly, we are see. I wrote an article about like William Melander becoming more coming more being more involved in the danger area and that was kind of like on that borderline home plate area close to the boards but we're we're seeing more involvement from him and this contract and already right now three points in two games sorry four points in two games because he got an assist yesterday um he's looking like he's on a mission this year he looks like he wants to prove people wrong that he's more than just, you know, not necessarily a lazy backtracker and stuff like that, but he wants to be that two-way player. He wants to be responsible in all three zones right now. And yeah, I'm I'm really really happy for him right now. He's off to a really good start. Obviously, you know, nobody really played that well against Ottawa, but I'm really impressed with his uh, play throughout the two games so far. Yeah, and can we mention that he's on pace for 112 points this year? Oh, let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not – sorry, was, say that again? I was just about to say, obviously, it's over an 82-game season, right? Or no, legit 112 and 56. Hey, he's, he's averaging two points per game right now. Two points in 56 That's games. You're looking at 112 points. <laughs> uh, but no, realistically, I mean – you know, we don't expect him to to average two points per 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 game this year, but um, it is a good start. And this is a guy who plays off of confidence. Uh, when he's got confidence, he's playing better. He's playing in all aspects of the game. He doesn't just coast. 
Um, you know, and obviously trying to live up to a contract that many criticized when he signed it after holding out. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this is an eighth overall pick in 2014. Um, the expectation is that he's going to be one of the go-to guys on this, on this team. And, and it's a team that has a lot of talent. And once everybody gets going, you know, there is, there is the chance that this is going to be one of the top offensive teams in the league. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy who has 225 points in 309 career regular season games. I can see if he continues to play that the way that he played in, in the first game against Montreal, that, you know, this is a guy that could potentially be a, a point per game guy this season, possibly higher. And, and for, for a guy like Nylander, that would just drive his game so much further into the positive aspect of things that, uh, you know, I think, I think it's only beneficial for him to, to continue to play the way that he's playing. So I, I, I loved what I saw. I think it was great, uh, in the Montreal game. Uh, like I mentioned earlier in the show, I, I, you know, I, uh, I, I'm kind of watching, um, the highlights from the, the Ottawa game. Um, but, uh, I, I would love to see this continue for him, uh, two power play points so far, uh, you know, two goals on three shots. Does it get much better than that? Um, but yeah, just, he's, he's done well so far this year, averaging just about 17 minutes of ice time. I think he's right in his sweet zone right now. And I I can't wait to see what he does the rest of the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and again, we're always so quick to look at Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Like, let's face it, William Nylander, even like all this time, he seems to not necessarily fly under the radar, but everyone seems to forget about him, even though that they shouldn't. And now William Nylander is like put himself up on that same pedestal right now as Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner as sort of trying to be a game breaker right now. And I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And I was like, I was excited when we drafted William Nylander. Um, the fact now that like he's coming into his own and I think Sheldon Keith is helping in that regard. There's no way there, there actually, there's no doubt about that, that he's played a part and trying to help get the best out of William Melander on both sides of the puck. And, we're just this is just the beginning of it and i think we're going to see more from him tonight the next game and the game after that and throughout the whole entire season and the rest of his career let's just hope that consistency happens because he's proven that he can be effective so let's just go with that yeah and consider this 59 points last year coming off a career high in goals in 31 mm-hmm. um 2 points shy of his career high in 14 fewer games and had seven game winning goals last season so, yeah. I mean, this is a guy that, that is really just coming into his own. And uh, I think, you you know, you, you hit it right on the head and saying that Keith has been a huge part in that. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what he's able to do uh, the rest of the way. So we'll keep an eye on him. And hopefully tonight uh, he can increase that point total and continue his two point per game pace. Absolutely. So you mentioned, you know, like, I, when you brought that up, I thought it was 82 points. But I'm like, man, those are some, like, NHL be a promo numbers. Yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, Peter, uh, obviously we mentioned it, the Leafs play tonight against Ottawa for their second in a back-to-back. Um, Jack Campbell is expected to, t- to be between the pipes for the Leafs. 
Um, and yeah, I, you know, I, I think the Leafs really need a bounce back here. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, aside from that, you know, another great episode in the books. And, and, mm-hmm. and do you have anything coming out in the next little while, Peter, that uh, you want the listeners to take a look at? Um, I am working on draft rankings. I am coming out with one for we're starting our draft coverage. Profiles are already being, you know, distributed out. And I'm just looking forward to being part of the draft coverage again this year. I had a lot of fun doing it last year. Um, I'm doing a top 75. Um, I'm really excited. It's my first time doing it. I'm still learning the the ropes, still learning the ropes about scouting and everything. But I'm really happy to be a part of this group. Yeah, welcome to the club. And uh, thank you. You know, this will be, I believe, my third year doing draft rankings for the the hockey writers. I'm very excited, like what, like you, um, to to get that underway. Obviously, a lot of top end talent again this year. Um, there's a, a bit of a bigger separation in the first round, in my opinion, from this this past draft. But uh, yeah, um, have fun with it. Uh, I look forward to seeing your rankings and uh, I too will be getting mine out as well in the very near future as we look ahead to the 2021 NHL draft. Likewise, I always enjoy, even last year, like um, I know our, our draft guru, Josh, is over at FC Hockey right now. So again, um, he was really instrumental in helping me out with the whole scouting process how to analyze a player and everything like that but your work um josh's work we really always looked forward to it whenever it always came out and i'm looking forward to yours this year too man absolutely and as always we want to thank you guys for tuning in to another great episode of sticks in the six hopefully we have a lot of more interesting stuff coming your way um as we mentioned we want to get some content out there whether it be on youtube whatever get our interviews uh, going here we also want to try and maybe open the door to, to, to selling some Sticks in the Six pro- product uh, down the road. Uh, we'll be looking at that. Um, you know, obviously, sponsorship is always always on the table. So if you're listening, mm-hmm. you want a business, you want to join in, you want to help us create more content, definitely hit hit one of us up on Twitter. Yes. Um, we're always there to listen. We're always there to talk hockey. We're always there to talk Maple Leafs hockey. Um, that said, enjoy the game tonight. Uh, we'll come at you again next week with episode 24. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, subscribe, listen, tune in, share, review, you know, you know, the whole deal. Say it every episode, (laughs) help us out, follow us on Twitter. Um, and we look forward to talking to you again next week after another week off. Absolutely. Go Leafs go. Go Leafs go. Go Leafs go.